Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We are so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. We have been in a series for the last couple of weeks entitled Forward Progress where we are talking about your relationship or connection to the local church, not just to the big C church, the body of Christ. We're talking about the local church and your relationship to it. And the series is designed to challenge each one of us, wherever we are in our connection to the local church, to go even further and connect even stronger, all right? And in week one, we talked about worship, not just worshiping on the weekends, but what our worship is and and our connection to God and doing it corporately together and going further in that connection and expression because uh, worship is simply love expressed. It's expressing our love, our response to God because of his love. Then in the second week of this series, we talked about everybody's favorite topic in church, church membership. That's what I'm talking about. I was the only one excited about that message. Uh, And this week, we're talking about community within the local church. And really, I want you to think from the context of of a small group, a a small community within the small town. To me, a growing church like ours is more like a small town than it is a small business where you wanna get to know everybody, you're not gonna get to know everybody, but within the small town, there are streets and you're gonna know everybody on your street. So we're talking about community today. And the title of this message is, Bunk Beds Are a Blessing. Every once in a while, I entitle a message in a very random way because I don't want you to forget it. And this is about as random as random gets. How many of you have ever spent the night in a bunk bed before? Okay. You already know, when you sleep in a room by yourself, you sleep well. When you sleep in a a room with bunks with other people, you don't sleep nearly as much and probably don't sleep quite as well, right? especially if they're snorers, huh? And you, you know what I'm talking about. Some, some of you are snorers and you feel very convicted right now. Uh, but a couple of years ago, my best friend and I, we were speaking at a, a young adult retreat uh, and they were at this campsite and, and uh, everybody was staying in bunk rooms, you know, and, and we drove up there together and, and we pull up and uh, the person comes to our car and says, uh, welcomes us and says, I'm going to take you to your room. And I, a part of me wanted to immediately correct them and go, rooms, rooms, plural, not singular, his room, my room. That's, that's how it works, not room, rooms, say it with me. But I didn't say that because I thought, oh, I'm not going to correct them. You know, surely we're not in the same room. They take us into this building and to one room and we walk in and there are bunks everywhere in this room and it's just the two of us and Tim and I immediately turned into six-year-old children in that moment because what do you do when you walk into a room filled with bunk beds you immediately call your bunk this one's mine we were as far away from each other as we could possibly be he called his bunk I called my my bunk and at first, both of us were a little frustrated because we're, we're used to, let's just say, different arrangements, okay? And we end up in this room together, and the funny thing was, we stayed up more than half the night talking like little kids. And it reminded me, bunk beds aren't a curse. 
they're a blessing. Community is not a curse you have to put up with. It's a blessing you get to benefit from. And let me make this statement because some of us read scripture and we hear that Jesus says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. And your version of the Bible might translate it that way, but that word literally means rooms. I hate to burst some of your bubbles. In my father's house, there are many rooms. And let me just make a statement. This is my personal belief. I believe in the kingdom of God. There is no such thing as a private room. Every room has bunk beds. And here's how you know, because you were created for community. Preston, how do you know I was created for community? Because you were created by the Trinity. Community in and of itself. Long before man was created, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit doing life together. You were created in his image. And everything he does, he does from a place of community. With the Son, with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take a look at three questions in this message that help us understand not just God's heart for community, but our deep need for community. All right? Here's question number one. Why do we excuse ourselves from community? Why, why do we excuse ourselves from community? Let me give you three. Uh, these aren't answers. These are excuses. These are the three biggest excuses I hear in church when I ask people, hey, are you in a group? Are you in community? These are the three most common excuses I hear. Here's the first one. Uh, I don't have the time. I, I just don't have time. Okay, let me ask you a question. Whose time do you think it is? If the Bible says your body and your life don't belong to you, but you've been purchased by God through the blood of his son, if your body and your life don't belong to you, what made you think your time belongs to you? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, how do you make the best use of your time? Don't use it to do what you want. Use your time to do his will. And one of the things that we know, God makes it abundantly clear in scripture that he desires and designed for us to do with our time is community. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Uh, I, I just don't have the time. Well, according to scripture, you better make it. You better make some time for community because you were created for it. That leads us to the second biggest excuse. I don't need it. I, I, I don't need community. I'm good. Okay. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, but exhort one another every day. Exhort one another, and the implication is be exhorted by one another every single day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Listen, if you didn't need it, God wouldn't say make sure you get it every day. If you didn't need it, he wouldn't tell you, now make sure you get this every day. Exhort others, be exhorted by others, be in community together. If you didn't need it, he wouldn't tell you to get it every day of your life. Here's an even stronger way to say it. 
When you say, I don't need community in the body of Christ. I'm good. I don't need community. Here's what you're actually saying. You're calling God a liar and an ignorant fool. Let me prove it to you in scripture. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Well, Preston, that's a passage on marriage. Yes, but it's not just on marriage. It's not only on marriage. It's also about isolation. God is saying it is not good for you to be all by yourself. You can't live the life I've created you to live isolated alone. That leads us to the third big excuse, and this one's my favorite to hear. When I say, hey, are are you in a group? Are you connected in community in the church? This is my favorite excuse to hear. They're not like me. They'll say something like that. They'll kind of say, well, I just haven't found anybody to to connect with. I, I just haven't clicked with anybody yet. Okay. If you ever ask someone if they're in community in the church and they respond to you, well, I just haven't found anybody to click with, let me give you the interpretation of what they're saying. I'm actually annoyed at how different all of you are compared to me. I'm annoyed by your differences. That's what they're saying. You all annoy me. Anytime someone says, I just haven't found anybody to click with, read between the lines. They're saying, I just don't like how much different you are compared to me. I don't like you, okay? They're slapping you in the face. You didn't even know it. Now you know. (laughs) They're not like me. Well, the reason that you're seeing it that way is because you're focused on the wrong things. With every person you come in contact with, you can either see the bad in them or the good in them. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, don't fixate on the negatives that come with their differences. Here's one of my favorite one-liners in this message. If you focus on the negatives that come with their differences... You are living in unity with the divider, the devil. But when you focus on the positives that come with their differences, you are living in unity with their divine creator. You're either going to fixate and focus on the negatives that come with their differences or on the positives that come, the, the blessings, the gifts God put inside of them. If you walk around saying, I just haven't found anybody to click with, just say what you really feel. I don't like the rest of y'all as as much as I like myself. Well, good for you, because we don't like you that much either. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but not really. (laughs) Question number two, if we excuse ourselves from community, what do we miss out on outside of community? Here's three things that we miss out on outside of community. The first one, their perspective. We miss out on their perspective. Have you ever looked at something uh, in a wrong way and then someone helped you look at it in a better way and it completely changed the way you saw it forever? Anybody ever have that happen before? Okay. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you think you know everything. 
I, I remember years ago, years ago, I, I was uh, counseling with a guy, a young guy. He was dating this uh, young lady. They were both amazing, and uh, they were right on the edge of engagement. And I, I was trying to kind of get them, get them over the hump, and just great people. Let's do this thing. You know what I'm talking about? And I sat down with the guy, and I said, "Hey, uh, she's amazing, and you're amazing." what's the deal? What's, what's the holdup? And he said, well, there, there's just one thing. I said, well, just one? I mean, that's all you could find? One? And that's what's holding you up? I mean, what is this thing? It's got to be legendary. He goes, it's her nose. And let me just say, this woman was not Pinocchio. She was gorgeous, and she was an incredibly godly young woman. And I said, really? Like, that's your one thing? And I started to go down the list of all these amazing attributes of hers and all these amazing things that God created to do in an amazing way. And by the end of the list, he's like, yeah, I, I see it. I, I see what you're saying, but it's just kind of hard not to see the nose. So I give him some more things, you know, and I'm just trying to get him to the altar because all the married men in this room, they know the day you say I do is actually day one in your personal improvement journey because God gives you that woman to go, I'm going to get you right, bro. <laughs> he was messed up. So we actually, a couple months ago, we had lunch uh, together in Texas and he goes, we hadn't seen each other in a long time. He said, hey, uh, do you remember? And I cut him off and I said, the nose. And he kind of gets real sheepish. He's like, man, I, I, I was kind of an idiot, wasn't I? And I said, no kind of, bro. You were. <laughs> She's amazing. They've been married all these years and, and have incredible kids. But what did I do? All I did was present a different perspective. How many of us know sometimes we, we don't see clearly and we need the benefit that comes from outside eyes? Listen to the way that the Bible says it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. What is one of the childish ways we give up as we mature? It is only seeing things through our own perspective. The older I get, the more I come to value your perspective. Because according to scripture, I don't see anything perfectly or completely. It takes all of our perspectives to help see it in a more complete way. But when we excuse ourselves from community, we miss out on their perspective. Here's the second thing we miss out on, their testimony. We miss out on their testimony. Have you ever been encouraged by someone who had overcome something that was presently overcoming you? Anybody ever had that before? And they shared their story, their testimony with you, and it gave you hope, and it gave you strength and encouragement, and, and the faith to just believe you can get through it too. Okay, that's the benefit or the beauty of community, that their scripture says there's power in our testimony. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says this, then I heard a loud noise, a voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength 
and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. There is power in our testimony. But if you excuse yourself from community in the local church with the family of God, you're missing out on the power that comes with their testimony. I had a friend text me this last week. And he used to battle alcoholism at the highest level. For decades, he battled alcoholism. Lost his marriage for a season, lost relationship with his children. I mean, it cost him everything, this battle with alcoholism. But five years ago, by God's grace, uh, God set him free. Hasn't had the desire to take one sip of alcohol in five years. God completely turned his life around, gave his life to the Lord. One of the most miraculous stories I've ever seen in my life. And he texted me this week a, a screenshot, a couple of screenshots of a text uh, from a friend of his in another part of the country that's been battling alcoholism for many years. And if I mention this person's name, all of you would know who it was. And this person out of nowhere, they're going through some stuff and they text my friend, do you ever feel like you have the urge to take a sip? Just out of nowhere. And it opens up the door for my friend to share his testimony. Because see, my friend was so under the power of alcoholism and in such bondage that I've told him, I said, you realize I think a lot of your friends were waiting two or three years to even see if this was legit because you were so messed up back then. And five years in, now they're starting to see the fruit of his life and go, something is unexplainably different. And he begins to share his testimony with this person. There's power in his testimony. And as the person was reading the text, you could see it was encouraging them to go, if it can happen for you, it can happen for me. But when we excuse ourselves from community, we miss out on that. Listen, you were not created to overcome alone. So then why would you live alone? Leverage the power of the testimony in the lives of all the people around you. Here's the third thing we miss out on. When we're outside of community, we miss out on their gifts. We miss out on the gifts God has given the people around us. L let me ask you this question. Do you do everything well? Does anyone feel like I do everything well? Would you just put your hand up so we could all be enamored with you? <laughs> and if you're married to someone who puts their hand up, don't be concerned. We have something here called pastoral counseling. <laughs> and we would like to spend several hundred hours with your spouse <laughs> because truthfully in 10 minutes I can help them understand without your help as a spouse they don't do everything well listen if you're living alone if you're choosing to be isolated on this earth separate from the community of believers the fellowship of believers through the local church you are trying to do everything well Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You don't do everything well. So then why are you trying? Let me, let me make a strong statement, and then I want to give you my favorite one-liner the Lord gave me for this message. Here's the, kind of the strong statement. If you're exhausted, it's because you're isolated. If you find yourself exhausted in this season, one of the reasons is you're isolated. And here's the one-liner. 
that I loved. If you isolate yourself, you are wearing yourself out by attempting to do something for yourself which God created a more gifted person to do for you. Let me read that again. I hope it hits you. If you isolate yourself, you are wearing yourself out by attempting to do something for yourself which God created a more gifted person to do for you. Stop wearing yourself out. Isolation is exhausting. And you are attempting to do some things you are not wired to do and you are most certainly not doing them well that God has strategically positioned someone around you to do with you and even for you from time to time. But we miss out on that. We miss out on the gifts that God gives us and the people around us if we choose never to be around them and open them up. That leads us to the third big question. What do we get in community? What do we get in community? Let me give you three things. Here's the first thing we get in community. We get divine diversity. Divine diversity. Now I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and I want you to stand up if you can answer the question in the affirmative, okay? But before I have you stand up, I want you just to think about this question and answer it. How many of you have ever colored a coloring picture in your lifetime? Just put your hand up, okay? Excellent. All right, this is going to go well. I want you to stand up when you think about how many different colors of crayons you have used in your entire life, okay? How many of you could say, I've used more than 100 different colors of crayons in my life? If you can, stand up, all right? Just stand up. It's not a trick. I'm not going to trick you, okay? Just stand up. You've used 100 different colors of crayons, okay? You can sit down. How many of you would say, I have used at least 50 different colors of crayons? Stand up. Okay, now I want you to think about this. If you stood for the first one, you should be standing for the second one. (laughs) Sometimes the creative people aren't always the most mathematic of people. (laughs) Let me help you, okay? You can sit down. How many of you would say, when I think about how many different colors of crayons I've used my entire life, I've used at least 20 different colors of crayons? Stand up. Okay, now the creative people are starting to get the math of this. Okay, you can sit down. How many of you would say, my entire life, I've used at least 10 different colors of crayons in my lifetime? Stand up. Okay, great. You can be seated. Okay, now pay real close attention to this next one. I want you to stand up if when you think about your entire life, if there's anyone in this room who would say, Out of my entire life, I've only used one color of crayon to color my whole life. Would you please stand up? Just one. You never use more than one color of crayon. No one stood up in any service. Why? I'll tell you why. Because it's impossible to create a complete picture with only one color of crayon. Listen to me. So then why? Why would I try and color the picture of my life with only one shade of skin? 
with only one monetary number from one income bracket? Why would I surround myself with only one age of people? It is literally impossible to color or create a complete picture with only one color of crayon. It takes a variety. And one of the beauties of community is divine diversity. And if you're kind of a a one color crayon type of person, you might wanna rethink how excited you are about heaven. I'm just saying. Let me read it to you. Let me just show it to you. You know I love the Bible. I want you to see it in the Bible. It's not my opinion. Revelation chapter seven, starting in verse nine. After these things, I looked. And behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, of all tribes, of all peoples, and all tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with one voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. That's unity right there. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. Listen, if you fill your life with people who look just like you, I want you to listen very closely to me. Your picture is boring. It's boring. There is beauty in diversity especially when diversity is so divine. We were all created in his image. And when I look at you, I don't want to see me. I want to see a sliver of the divine creator who created you in his image. When I look at you and you look so different than me, I don't think about how different we are. Think about how amazing God is. I see a a snapshot of a part of who he is when I look at you. One of the beautiful things of community is divine diversity. Here's the next thing we get in community. We get divine help. We get divine help. Have you ever been doing something and you just hit a wall and you got exhausted and you just couldn't do it anymore and someone came along to help? Has that ever happened to anybody in this room before? Okay, it's awesome, isn't it? I, I was at the gym uh, the other day, and, and you probably can't tell by looking at me, this jacket kind of covers it up, but <laughs> I, I put up some serious weight at the gym, uh, in, in my opinion. And it, it was chest, buys, and tries day, and, and I was doing dumbbell bench press, and uh, the weight was a little bit too much for my wife to help me with. And, and so um, it's because the weight's huge. I'm just telling you, I don't want to brag. But uh, so, I, I mean, I'm doing it and I, I hit a wall and I, I start. And I didn't want to be that guy, that loud guy in the gym that gets all the. Ah! I didn't want to be that guy, even though I felt like that guy at the time. And someone came up behind me and said, here, can I help you with that? And in that moment, I had a decision to make. I could either push through this by myself and wear it like a badge in pride, or I could take him up on his offer 
and receive his help. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't even find the words because I was, so I just went. And he picked up the weights and he helped me. It, it took all of him to grab one of the weights. It was so heavy. But listen, when you choose to live obediently in community within the local church, the family of God, you need to get used to hearing this phrase. Here, let me help you with that. Here, let me help you with that. You better get used to it. And what I've come to know and learn over the last 40 years is that's one of the sweetest phrases in any language. Here, let me help you with that. There's a passage in scripture that illustrates this flawlessly. Exodus chapter 17, verse 10 says, So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. Y'all were making fun of me in your hearts because I couldn't hold up my heavy weights. Moses couldn't hold up his hands. Don't be calling me weak. I could take Moses. He's going to beat me up when I get to heaven. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the, the going down of the sun. So, or because of this, Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. This is one of the most beautiful pictures in all of Scripture as it relates to victory through community. You were not created to overcome the obstacles in front of you, the attacks of the enemy, alone. We were created to do it together. I'm not called to fight with you, as in against you. I'm called to fight alongside of you. We do it together. But if we excuse ourselves from community, we miss out on the divine help God is trying to give us through his children. Listen, you need help. So do I. And the more God's called you to, the more help you need. The bigger the obstacle you're facing, the more help you need. The bigger the attack of the enemy on you, the more help you need. We need one another. And one of the benefits we get in community is divine help. Here's a way I would say this. The lonely have needs that pile up. But those living in community have burdens that are picked up. If you're living all by yourself, I already know, your needs are stockpiling. Your unmet needs are stockpiling. But I also know if you're living in community, in the family of God, not only are your needs being met through various people, but there are burdens you have been called to carry that are being picked up by the people God has surrounded you with. It's one of the beauties of community, divine help. And here's the third thing we get inside of community. We get better. We get better. How many of you remember back when we were in school, from time to time, a teacher would give what was called a group project or community project, where the teacher would assemble some students, and they 
would, would form their own little group, their own little community, and they would have to uh, accomplish the tasks and, and the project together, all right? L- let me give you a way to think about your life from God's perspective. Your life was meant to be a group project for a bunch of people he put on this earth to do life with you. And I just sat down and put together a very short list that could have made it much longer as I started to think about the fact that there are so many people in my life who when they get to heaven, they're gonna get to take credit for the life I'm living because they helped fashion this lump of clay into what God created it to be. My life is merely a community project for some really great people while they were on this earth. I just wrote down some of the things that I could think of right off the top of my head. I'm intensely loyal because Holly Morrison showed me how to be. I'm a much better steward because Sherry Morrison modeled it for me. I'm a big time worshiper because Rick Morrison showed me the way. I'll be honoring all the way to my grave because Robert Morris showed me how it's done. I'm real rather than fake because Pat Collins demanded it of me. I enjoy being generous because Mark and Brenda Tharp showed me how much fun it really is. I'm business-minded because Galen Lachey taught me I could be. I have a bleeding heart for, the, for people to know Jesus Christ because David Smith taught me that's why we do what we do. I hug people in the lobby because Tim Ross showed me how powerful a hug really is. I'm an incredibly vulnerable leader because Byron Copeland showed me it's the only way to fall asleep in leadership. My life is amazingly better because some people took on this community project called James Preston Morrison. By the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, they took on this project. And these people have made my life better by teaching me how to live better, to do everything I do better. And the question you have to ask yourself and answer for yourself before God is this, how much better do you want your life to be? It cannot get better all by yourself. It will only get better together. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.